Hello everybody, this is Pamela Fagan Hutchins with Wine, Women & Writing and this is a show where I talk with other writers about their books and specifically the thing I love to talk to them about is their female characters and where they get the inspiration from them, how they layer them, make them complex and that means I'm usually talking to female writers which is what we're going to do today. But first, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. That's my website. And you can get to the um, podcast page by going to Wine, Women, and Writing. When you get there, you can sign up for the show to be delivered free to your RSS device of choice. Free is a good price. And you'll get a weekly dive into some um, authors' fantastic works. You can also support the show in, when you're there. So if you want to hit that link and do it, it's not going to hurt my feelings, <laughs> nor will it hurt my feelings if you also look at my books. But like I said, today's not about me. Today's about my guests. And I want to introduce to you Susanna, and it's Hawkins, right? Yeah, Hawkins. Right? Hawkins with, with a C. I wanted to make her like me with an H, Hutchins. <laughs> but Susanna Hawkins. Now, the funny story of, about um, us sitting down today is that last night, no surprise, because we're at BoucherCon, which is a mystery convention for um, for authors, people in the industry, and for fans. There's some drinking that goes on just a at, little at these yeah, events, yeah, yeah. just it a happens, little. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so last night we met in the bar for some of our mutual friends, and this morning we said, "Okay, we'll sit down and talk." And so we're doing that. Mm -hmm. But this is a very quick, um, a very quick acquaintance. Uh -huh. I did go and stalk your books a little <laughs> okay, bit great, a minute awesome. ago. Okay, so thank super. you. <laughs> and she writes historical mystery. So we're going to hear it from Susanna about what she does and, and how she does it. So tell us about the, um, the series that you have out right now, okay. whatever you're currently doing. Yeah, so I have two series. So I have a series that's Lucy Campion Historical Mysteries. These are set in 17th century London, time of the plague and the fire, 666. Um, it's the devil's year, so 1666. And, uh, and there's four in that series. I have a fifth I'm working on right now. Oh, excellent. And uh, my other series is set in 1929 Chicago, Prohibition era. It's set in a speakeasy. I have a, my Gina Ricci is the protagonist. She's a flapper. And the first book, Murder Knocks Twice, starts with her first day on the job, starting uh, cigarette selling and um, trying to figure out what it means to even work in a speakeasy. And so you're basically, you're kind of having to direct, divide your brain in half uh -huh. and alternate books in the series. Mm -hmm. Is that fun for you or is it is it painfully um, difficult or well, both? <laughs> yeah, you know, I did have some time between the, the the end of my Lucy Campion mysteries, about a year or so when I started working on the uh, you know 1920s uh, books, and and so actually I was able to kind of put myself in you know so of course I do research and I'm a historian by training, but I found um, I did uh, started drinking like cocktails and I had this list of a hundred prohibition era cocktails. I was like I'm going to try them all before the book comes out and it's going to like it's going to help me as I write. And um, I got to like 35, and then I hit ones with absinthe and Ooh. like egg flip, and I was like, these are disgusting. Um, and I listened to a lot of like um, 20s music. So actually, it wasn't so hard to get into the series. Um, and then I, I worked on those books, and then I was started working on my fifth Lucy again. So it, it wasn't so hard actually to jump back into Lucy, but it was a little less. I had to like drink ale and listen to Madrigals, you know, which was a little bit of a, you know, not flip. As, yeah, <laughs> not as much fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I love that you use um, use things that re relate you and ground you in the eras uh -huh. to yeah, yeah. pull yourself into voice and character for uh -huh. your books. Yeah. So um, with, do you ever, I literally have done this, it's just why I ask, uh -huh. do you dress the part? Do you ever, you know, do other things like tactilely um, uh -huh. pull yourself in? Yeah, you know, um, uh, not so much with Lucy, although people saw the cover of my book, they thought, 
as people ask me, is that you? I'm like, no, I'm not on the cover of my book. Although that would be kind of interesting, just as a servant, 17th century servant. But my, um, my, yeah, my new series, when I had the book launch, I did um, have, a, I had my book launch in a speakeasy, and I okay. dressed as a flapper, and I had a special drink called the Hotsy Totsy, and it was a bourbon rookie. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. That was, that was like the most tactile, I would say, I got. But it was, it's fun. I was going to do that for Halloween, but it just... Uh, but it was a little cold where we are, so it was. It's shockingly cold for this early yeah. in the fall for Dallas. Yeah. It's it's not normal. No. Have you been to Dallas before? Uh, yes, but yeah, it was always. I thought, oh, because I came out of Chicago. Oh, Dallas is going to be so warm. <laughs> it was not warm. When it's raining and cold, it is. It was bitter. So it was cold. Yeah. But, but I gotta warm say, warm-hearted city. Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> it is. People are nice here. Well, my experience with Chicago is that wet cold with wind yeah. in Chicago yeah. is the yeah. worst you know but um but beautiful yeah I love yeah. Chicago yeah no it's a great city I mean it's and they're not they don't joke about the wind it's a real thing yeah <laughs> and I grew up in Amarillo so you know wind is not something I'm scared of and I live in Wyoming oh, yeah. which oh, yeah, is sure. basically it's a wind tunnel that's yeah. what Wyoming mm -hmm. is but um Coming off that lake. Yeah. Oh, Coming yeah. off oh, that yeah. lake. Mm -hmm. It puts some yeah, yeah. religion in you. <laughs> Woo! Um, and so you're writing now about your hometown historically. Uh -huh. Is that fun for you to be able to be where it's happening, even though it was long ago? Yeah. I mean, so I actually grew up in Philadelphia, so not my true hometown, but, you know, I'm, like, I'm uh -huh. a transplant Chicagoan. Um, but, you know, when I first moved to Chicago, that was the thing I realized. It's like how, uh, and I was still working on my Lucy books, um, but how, how uh, dominant um, prohibition really was and still is today. I mean, I mean, I would meet people and they would say like, um, you know, this is this used to be a speakeasy or my grandmother used to make gin in that, you know, building there or, you know, yeah, my great aunt was a rum runner off of like Michigan. Um, and then I met someone when I started writing the books, then these stories, they're always coming in about prohibition and secretive, you know, illicit trade, you know, their family members. But I met someone who said, my great uncle was one of the um, the men who was um, mowed down in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, you know, oh which happened gosh. in 1929 Chicago. And I write about that in my book. Um, I was like, wow, that's like, that's, it's still lived. I mean, like my other yeah. books don't have the same lived now. They don't feel as lived They're 350 years ago. So, but the Chicago Prohibition, it's, it's yeah, still there. Yeah, there's still people alive with the oh, yeah. stories, unlike with the Lucy right. books. And yeah. even yesterday, I did a panel here, and someone in Dallas was telling me about, like, how they used to live in Iowa, and there was all this, you know, speakeasies that they had, and they were part of illicit trade. So it's very lived still for a lot of people. Yeah, it, you know, I was talking with um, a World War II writer, and she said one of the things, she, and she used to write... Um, ancient Rome, mm -hmm. um, his, historical fiction, and she was, I think it was Kate Quinn, and she was saying that it was really cool and different to be writing about things that were still within people's mm -hmm. memories yeah, because yeah. it had such an emotional yeah, impact exactly. on them. Yeah. You know, the, the, I love reading yeah. uh, historicals and reading further back in time, oh, yeah. but there's just something oh, yeah. about that. Well, someone showed me a nice picture of, I mean, it was like, it was of her like grandmother and her friends, and they were sitting at what looked like a drugstore counter, and on the back of it, it says, we were drinking margaritas. And I just love that, like, it, but it looked like they were drinking like ice cream sodas. <laughs> you know? But I just love that she went, she wanted to make sure that it was like we were sneaking a margarita because <laughs> those were the people that didn't go to speakeasies like older ladies would go to tea rooms you know because and they would have you know rum added to or you know to their hot chocolate or yeah, you know they yeah. could get some gin 
but they weren't going to go to a speakeasy to get their alcohol. They were far, <laughs> far, you know, too classy for right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they just, they just want a little dollop, you know, as one does. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, that's what we're doing here at Balshacon. Um, and we have a train going by outside. Mm-hmm. It's been fun to do these live shows for you guys because, well, they're, they're not going to air live, but we're recording them live. Catch as catch can, if you will. Mm-hmm. If all the mystery writers are here, why not talk to them while we're facing to face. Exactly. But that does lead to things like we've had some authors come in and want to join the conversation for uh-huh. some other shows with the dart train going by, but we roll with it. Mm-hmm. We roll with it. Okay, so if you had to pick a favorite child out of your books, <laughs> okay. is it the Lucy books or is it the oh, Speakeasy yeah. era books? I mean, I do think there's something about your first book. Yeah. Um, my, my, um, a Murder at Roseman's Gate did come out of my research that I had done um, when I was working on my PhD. It was all around murder ballads and how people used to sing about murder. And I ended up, <laughs> that book was, so I only thought I was ever going to write that one book. And, and then they're like, well, we'd like a series. So I think there's always going to be a, like, that book is what made me a writer. So I yeah. will probably always love it the most in some ways. But you know, my speakeasies are so fun. I love writing them. So to me, like, it's just super fun to they're do. They're almost like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. This I can work. And they're a little different. They're, they're a little lighter in tone than my other ones. But my other ones are not, like, heavy historical. You yeah. Know, but they're, I mean, I try to be authentic and accurate, you know, because that's the historian part of me. But, <laughs> but I try to make them. They're not. Um, but, the, but the speakeasy ones are much lighter in tone, I would say. Is there ever a point at which you say, enough research now? Enough. Yeah. You, you know, or, or are you always enough thinking? Enough cocktails? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Only with the cocktails. Yes, there are points where I'm like, I've had enough cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that that, um, that historical fiction writers, historical mystery writers, is you know, being part of that whole genre, the greater historical space, that that the history can consume you, mm-hmm. the research can consume you, and it's it's fun to meet mystery writers mm-hmm. in this space because you know you have to deliver a plot yeah, which yeah. means you mm-hmm. have to get moving sure. yeah, yeah, on yeah. these mm-hmm. and that can be hard because yeah. the, the research is fun yeah i enjoy it but i mean i do teach history too so in some ways i kind of like i already have some of the big thing like i, I don't i'm not saying I, I know but i know like some of the bigger trends and stuff so i do have to look up a lot of like the daily life but i call it tv work so my kids might be watching tv and this is what i call like writing adjacent you know so i'll this is when I look up things, you know, right. what, what did a, you know, 1929 ladies room look like, you know, what, you know, what did, you know, so I, I just look up this kind of stuff. How did they use a phone in 1929? Like, literally, that's like, not as obvious as you think. Right. And um, so I spend time, so I often will just put little brackets in my writing, like, put description in here later, look this up, and that's what I do. So I try not to be in the rabbit hole so much, because to me, it's like, I'm, if I can't use it in my writing, then I'm not going to. It's such an enemy to forward progress. I'm writing historical right now, and there's a whole lot of look this shit up, look Mm -hmm. this shit up, because otherwise you go down those right, right, right. happy little trails. And so I, I can totally see that. But how how cool that you had this interest in mystery and fiction that you could use what you already knew, mm-hmm. a world that was already real and yep. alive mm-hmm. in your mind. Have you always been someone that was fascinated with the past and things yeah. that were old, so yeah. to speak? I think I think so. I mean, I, I'm definitely one of those people when I, even when I go to a city or when I see a street sign, I'm always like, I wonder where that name come from. Everywhere I go, I'm like, where did that name, where did that building, you know? So I've, yes, I think I've always been, and I did like historical fiction when I was a kid. Um, 
but you know, I, I didn't come into it. I mean, in college, I became a history major, but I was like a biology major first. I don't oh, know. Oh, wow. Why. Yeah, it was a mistake. <laughs> um, but you know, and but I think like I and the creativity kind of got beat out of me in college and grad school, but it kind of came back to me as I as I mentioned these murder ballads and yeah, um, that murder ballad thing. I mean. Yeah. Totally blows me away. Yeah. No idea about that. And now I want to go read Lucy. <laughs> so tell us about Lucy and yeah. and how you came up with the character that fits in within yeah. your historical world. Yeah. So I mean, and I will just say something about these murder ballads. So I mean, I would I would read these stories and over and over, and people really did sing about murder. It was like the this is like the penny press. So it's kind of like the National Enquirer or um, a, you know a tabloids today. It's like half true, half sensationalized. But this yeah. is where people got their news. Like true news is what it was. And because people weren't always literate, you know, they would sing these stories or read, you know, read them to other people. And they would paste these gruesome pictures up on the wall because that was what people could afford, you know. Right. They didn't have portraits and things like that. Um, but I would see the same story over and over repeated of a young woman who had been found strangled or stabbed. Um, and in her pocket, there was always a note. And it would say something like, Dear sweetheart, meet me at this secluded glen at midnight. Don't tell anyone. And it would say, Your sweetheart. And it would say, like, you know, J.R., J.R., or P., or, you know, um, O.J., or Q. And then the, the, the community, because there's no police force, the community would say, they would find this body, find this note, and they would, they would say, hey, we know who that is. And they would go round up this guy, throw him in Newgate Prison, which was this terrible prison, and he would languish there, and then eventually he would be brought to trial and found guilty, because back then people had to be proved guilty. They had to be proved innocent. You're, you're assumed guilty. And then usually he'd be panged. And so I always thought, well, who was this man? You know, was he framed for this murder? Who was this woman? You know, why was she killed? Why did she meet him? Um, you know, why did she get this note and go? And um, so that became the story of my first book. And Lucy, who is my, um, she's in this book, she's a, um, she's a chambermaid, and it's her, it's her friend, that, her, another chambermaid who's murdered. So she's not very literate. She has to figure out how, and then, um, Someone she loves is accused of this murder, and so he's facing hanging. So it's like, to me, it's like, how, do, how, how could regular people who are not necessarily literate figure out a way to solve a crime? Yeah. Know? And it's and putting her in a situation where there's not the resources to help yeah. her, and that she's eventually has to come up with the wherewithal. Right. So she's uneducated she's mm -hmm. untrained in this but she cares a lot about it mm -hmm. and she, so ultimately I guess you find a way for her to keep finding dead yeah. bodies or yeah. to keep yeah. getting invested well actually is not a problem in London as it's not a problem in Chicago you know <laughs> but like London for sure I mean this is the time literally of the plague and the fire and the great fire of London and it was not surprising to have a lot of deaths everywhere yeah and so you know in the back then natural causes could be all kinds of things and so they, they didn't have the kind of knowledge we have today so right. unless someone was like stabbed or, obviously you know, yeah, yeah you know even poisons they didn't necessarily know so it was very easy to have murders happening all over the place in London um, so yeah the next book I, I won't say too much about it but my first book ends with London and fire so you know yeah. in flames and then the next book from the charred remains which I hadn't known I was going to write I was like oh I gotta figure out what happens after the fire <laughs> um, I do have basically um, they're, they're all all of London is helping cleaning up this fire because it's it's a disaster so they're throwing dirt into the Thames or you know they're they're trying to stop the the, the chars you know mm -hmm. and I have a um, a barrel 
Um, like some, you know how after a fire, some things still stay. Like you're like, how is it possible? Yeah, this one random shoe or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they, I have an old pub, the Cheshire Cheese, which is a real pub in London now. It was recreated in 1667. I have it that there was a barrel, a barrel, and there was a body in there, and you know, there's questions about who this body is. And she finds it. Lucy finds it. So yeah, there are cool. dead bodies were everywhere. <laughs> I, you know, and for mystery writers, that's very convenient. Right. Yeah. And the, and it wasn't like a teeny town, you know, of uh, you know, like where it's really hard to have like the Jessica Fletcher finding more, right. and more bodies. Like, how is there any people left in right. this town? But yeah. London and Chicago, like murders there, it's not even a question that there could be tons of them. <laughs> Especially when you think back to the, uh, you know, those eras or prohibition in Chicago, those mm. eras with all the monsters and the lawlessness and basically you make something that people really want to illegal yeah. and, and, and bad things start to happen. And it was bad. I mean, the alcohol itself was quite bad. And mm -hmm. so there were thousands of alcohol deaths every year yeah. in prohibition. In Chicago alone, there were, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of alcohol-related deaths. So it's like that's not that. And so you know, my my next book pretty much has a poisoning in it because how could you not have a poisoning? Yeah, yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, research plus getting to figure out how to kill people. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. What's more fun than that? It's just so much fun. <laughs> so did you? Um, so you did you ever really picture yourself as a mystery novelist, or was that just kind of an accident that? came out of your research and your yeah. fascination with the era. Yeah, it was pretty much an accident. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was someone that wrote a lot when I was a kid. I wrote a lot of short stories. So I kind of always felt like I was a writer in some ways. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I was in grad school also where I, I started reading some of Anne Perry and Charles uh -huh. Todd, who I was just chatting with. It's kind of oh, delightful to like meet these people later. <laughs> um, and I was reading them and I thought, there was this moment where I was like, well, maybe I can do this. Yeah. I can do this, maybe. I mean, and I still was in grad school, and then I, but it wasn't, um, but there was this moment, unfortunately, my son um, broke his leg when he was two, and I was an assistant professor of history at the time, and I had to stay home from work, and I was staying with him. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah but I was doing like, Thomas trains and with one hand building blocks on one hand and I was finishing this novel with my other hand <laughs> and um, yeah and I told my husband I always say this is the only secret I kept from my husband For 10 years I've been working on this book and I said to him I think I've written a book and so he was really excited yeah oh I was, yeah it was like on and off for like 10 years I was working on this because I was like eh, I don't know if it's a book it's not a book and I thought I was writing one novel and then like I said they gave me a contract for two and I was like oh Oh, I, what? This like, is a problem. <laughs> yeah, the first one took 10 like, years. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they got so much faster. Because that was just because I was like, oh, do, 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 write a scene, write a scene. You know, I was just like, I wasn't really being structured about it. Right. Um, and I did a lot of rewriting. I mean, in fact, I had written like 200 pages of this book without knowing who the murderer was. Which, yeah. you know, is always a problem. It is a problem. And and I would imagine you don't do that anymore since you're on schedules as much. Yeah. Or I sometimes mean, they'll change. Yeah. It's like, I think I know. I just wrote one where I had no idea what was going to yeah. happen. It was, it was, it's freeing. Yeah. I was more interested in the, I still am, the impact of the murder on the community. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not always, but now I've learned I need to at least, where I'm still probably a pop pantser, you know. Yeah. But I, um, I like to know why the murderer did it and why that victim. Like, what's the motivation? Like, why? And You're that, a little bit of an anthropologist. You're yeah. a little bit of a sociolo uh, yeah. uh, sociologist as well as a researcher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, because I've learned, like, 
otherwise when you have to work it backwards like you have the person but you don't know why they did it like yeah. that actually is actually really challenging to build motivation in mm -hmm. so it's so much easier to kind of know that from the first place yeah it is it is and and yet sometimes it's really hard because you have to see where the characters go right. exactly. and like you say it's it's within a community mm -hmm. so there's a lot of different impacts exactly so, yeah. you think your authors have it all figured out <laughs> but sometimes we're wandering in the wilderness right. with you up until the last page and we go oh eureka that's who did it. They just told me. Now i got to go back and rewrite the whole thing. Right. Well, it's been so much fun yeah, talking to you. Great. Thank I'm you so much. I'm glad you were able to sit down with me. Yeah, and this was really fun. You guys, thanks for tuning in. And you really should go give these books a look. This is Susanna Calkins, not with an H, even though I wanted to make it that earlier. And you can check out our Lucy Campion series or the Speakeasy Prohibitionary yeah. series, mm -hmm. the Speakeasy Murders. And while you're on the Internet, go out to... PamelaFaganHutchins.com, the Wine, Women, and Writing page, and be sure you sign up to get the podcast. But even more, I list the shows before they're going to air, so it gives you a chance to get their books and read them, which hopefully you've done before this one aired. But if not, um, get ready for the next ones, and let's book club together. This has been a solely owned and copyrighted production of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, which I always forget to say till the last second, <laughs> and with many, many thanks um, and big you know, kisses to Pam Stack, our producer, who makes these conversations between authors about the books you love to read possible. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Bye.